everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And we have so much to talk about today. Okay? Yeah. So many things. Uh, the most important thing is that Bad Batch is over. And Alex and I have never said anything negative about the Bad Batch ever. No. Never I take once. back every bad thing I've ever said. Uh, everything is taken back. I feel... I those first six episodes we we were lying. We loved those first six episodes. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you know, looking back at it, they did a lot to set up certain uh, plot points in the end. Well, and like so. we we actually managed to get a lot out of those. Like when we were like we were both very surprised by our conversation and how much we got out of it. And honestly, like we were not wrong. No, we weren't wrong at all. The um the themes that we were talking about from like the very beginning like come around in the end. And so like kudos to the people writing this show, like the showrunners for, you know, giving us a story with really meaningful themes and character development because there is another story that we um consumed as of late that we did not feel like that about. I was like, I, I was about to say, like, speaking of bad stories, and then you went there. <laughs> and we'll get there in the news, because it there. is Star Wars, so we're going to get there. We we will we will get there. Um, first, got to talk about some recommendations. So I don't even know what order to go in. Um Alex, you talk about your two because I have not consumed either of those and I'm very jealous of one of them that I have not okay. consumed. So, like, the first one, pretty simple and easy. I went to see John Wick 4. I would never have predicted I'd be on here talking about this movie because I only saw the other movie, like, the other three, like, the week before I saw the fourth one. I was being dragged to go see the fourth one. And these movies, like, the first one, solid movie, like, I'm like, this was neither, like, not, neither something that I'm, like, obsessed with, but, like, decent movie, and, you know, Keanu Reeves is awesome, so, cool, cool, they, and they start to get better, and I'm like, holy crap, like, they get better with every movie, cool, and then the fourth one, honestly, is probably one of the best, uh, like, action martial arts movies I've ever seen, um, Donnie Yen is in it, and he basically plays Chirrut. He is oh. playing Chirrut again. He is playing oh, wow. a blind man who is an assassin. I mean, not the Chirrut. Chirrut's not an assassin. But he's he's blind and he uses his blindness in, in an interesting way to in combat. Similar to Chirrut. So that's kind of cool. And then the other thing I really liked about the movie is that it took place in Kyoto and Paris and I feel like they really took advantage of both of those cultures and made a really visually stunning, like Kyoto was like so cool. And then like Paris, they took advantage of like very touristy areas, like the roundabout where the arc is, like they used that for a really cool action sequence. And then also the stairs in Sakura, there's like over 200 stairs. It's a very like steep incline and they use those stairs for an action sequence with people like comedically like falling back down the stairs as they're like fighting people. It was like, I was like blown away by this movie. It was great and a really, really good, um, I guess like finale to this um, series. Cause next they're doing a movie called Ballerina, which is Anna de Armas 
And she, so she's doing a little spinoff movie and similar to in um, Black Widow, the female assassins are like trained in ballet. Okay. See, like that is definitely like my vibe. Yeah. And if you've seen, I don't know if you saw Promising Young Woman. Did you see it? I still haven't seen it yet. Oh, really? Okay. Well, anyways, it's the director of that movie directing this movie. Mm -hmm. That's coming. So I thought that was really cool, and I'll see Ballerina, but John Wick 4 was really, really good, and I surprised myself by saying that, like, impressed. I was very surprised when I saw it on the dock. I was like, what? (laughs) No, like, cool, and, like, lots of um, just good fight sequences. That's awesome. Tell me about this other one. (laughs) You know you're excited about this one. Um, Yellow Jackets is on... My recommendations. So um, season two just just started. Before season two came out, I was like, you know, The Last of Us is done. Like a lot of my favorite shows are actually finishing this year. Like Miss Maisel, Ted Lasso. I'm like, I kind of have to fill in some gaps with some new shows to watch. So I started watching Yellow Jackets. I'm obsessed. And like, it's like scary. Like I... It's kind of scary for me, at least. Shannon won't be scared. No, like, I was actually so surprised when you told me that you were going to watch it because I never thought, I didn't think it was an Alex show. Uh, no, it's an Alex show. Okay, it's that's really good, good to know. No, no, no. It, it, and it's, it freaked me out. I think you get a little used to it, though. I think like, after a few episodes, the first few episodes are a little shocking, but the um, the character development and then, like, what really grabs you is the, like, going between the present storyline and the storyline in the 90s. It just, like, goes back and forth a lot. Um, that really grabs your attention, and the, um, the performances are great. Uh, Christine Ritchie is, like... <laughs> Her character is, like, nuts. Like, actually, like, crazy. And she did such a good job playing her character. And they, um, the casting director did an amazing job casting young or and the older, like, counterparts to the characters. They're great. That's um, awesome. But Shannon can't watch it. No, I she, cannot. So it's on... It's on Showtime, um, which I could get through Prime, but it's, like, an extra uh-huh. prescription. It's, like, an extra, um, you know, subscription. Okay, so, like, I would say it's worth it, at least when they finish That's what I'm two, gonna do. Because then you can just binge it. Yes. Um, but it's worth it. It's worth getting it for, like, a month or whatever, so you can, you know, watch yeah. season one I, and season two. I think that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do, like, the free trial when season two is over, um, and then, I mean, if we like stuff that's on there, like, we'll see. Um, and then, like, if we don't, then I'll just let the subscription run out and then I'll do the same thing when season three comes around or whatever. Because, like, you don't understand. Like, I have been wanting to watch this show <laughs> since I heard about it. This is, like, the most Shannon show. It's, I like, love... the anti-Ted Lasso. Well, yeah, because it's soccer. I love, like, <laughs> I-, I love a Lord of the Flies story. I love Stranded. I love When We're Lost in the Woods. Like, that's some of my favorite stuff ever. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's so, you know, like, these things happen, and I'm like, give it to me. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, anyone who doesn't know about the show, it's about a high school girls soccer team who wins their uh, state championship, so they get to go to nationals, and on the way to nationals, they're playing 
you know, crashes in the northern, like, Canadian, Ontario wilderness. And it's, like you said, it's, like, kind of like Lord of the Flies, but teenage girls. Crazy. It's cult, like, v- very culty, very witchy. That's what's your what, what you're going to like about it. Very <laughs> witch in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I, starting to get the sense that there's even some supernatural element to it, too. Cool. Yeah, no, I'm into that. Yeah, so I'm all caught up now. New episodes arrive on Fridays. So I was watching it last night. It was a very good episode. Um, It was kind of an, (laughs) without saying spoilers, something happened that um, we all knew was going to happen, but it was still very shocking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that that happens (laughs) with the subject matter, you know? (laughs) Oh, and... I'm going to relate this to Star Wars because one of the main actresses from it is in Book of Boba Fett. Oh. oh she no, plays no, no, one of the, bi- the, bi- yes. the biker girls. Yes, the biker girl. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. She's one of the main actresses in Yellow Jacks, the younger version. She's like the high school version. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Okay. Awesome. All right. Our last two recommendations are uh, once again Taylor Jenkins Reid related. Um, so Daisy Jones and the Six wrapped up. Um, we got yeah. episodes seven through ten. I think you liked these episodes more than I did. I feel good about nine and ten. Okay. I am iffy about seven and eight. So the longer I have sat with nine and ten, the mm-hmm. the better I feel. I okay. I was a little bit disappointed, especially like so without giving spoilers, there's this scene of with Billy in a bar and I, I didn't like the direction that they went, but then I reminded myself that in the book, like these characters are unreliable. So like, it is entirely possible that like what Billy told us, like, isn't what happened. Um, Yeah, totally. and, And I did like overall, like what they did with Daisy in the end. And I do like the, um, the care that they give to, um, Camila. I just, I, I just wish that it wasn't all about the the love triangle, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the and only I thing. Think, to be honest, like, I think that's where, like, seven and eight personally fall short for me. Um, because I think they veered too much off the book. Whereas, yeah. like, episodes nine and ten, like, the changes from the book weren't big enough where I was like, this is a different story being told. That's true. That's Whereas, true. like, I, I do agree with that statement about 7 and 8 feeling like they're leaning into the, like, love triangle, which, to me as a reader, I don't really think that the love triangle exists. It's, like, two lines and, like, I, I don't know. I always felt like... It was something that could have happened, but just never did. Like, it, there was always so much of a question of, like... I didn't think Billy was ever going to let it happen Exactly. Like, I, I think no matter what, like, that Billy in the book never would have done it. And then, like, I, I d- am, like, constantly reminding myself, like, it, it's entirely possible that Billy in the book is lying. Yeah. And, like, we would have no way of knowing. Um, But, like, I, I feel like that was part of that, like, really good tension. Like, it wasn't... Like, Billy would never, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Especially juxtaposed with, I'm currently reading Malibu Rising, and I went ahead and put it on here because I'm halfway through, and it's so good. And there's such an interesting Venn diagram between Mick Riva, 
Um, Because Malibu (laughs) Rising is like his horrible origin story because it's about his kids. Um, But there's a Venn diagram between him and Billy Dunn because in so many ways they are so similar. Like even down to like missing the birth of their children because they are so high on that rock and roll life. And it's Mm -hmm. very, very fascinating to see how they are the same like and how they're Like, he's villainized. And, like, how yes. he's villainized from this point of view. Yes, 100%. Because even, like, in Malibu Rising, you get some of his perspective. And so, like, you almost see where it's coming from. And, like, it's almost just, like, disappointing that he just is so terrible. Yeah. Because it's, like... So, like, I've... Like, I've finished Malibu Rising. Yeah. And I will say, like, the end doesn't disappoint. Like, it's it's a great book. Yeah, like, I, I feel like I know where it's going, um, and if it if it is, I'm really excited, um, but I just, yeah, like, I th- Taylor Dinkins Reid does such a good job making her characters, even the ones that you hate, because, like, Carrie Soto is mentioned so much, and, like, Alex has read Carrie Soto, and, like, she's a really hateable character, but at the same time, it's like, you get it, you know? Like, Taylor Dinkins Reid just does such a good job of, like, these characters feel like real people. Like, this like, world that she's created how, feels so real. I don't know how she does it. I don't either. With like, the, the the unlikable, flawed characters, I've never read anyone write like that. Yeah, and, and I truly don't understand. Like, she said that she's, like, done writing in this universe, and that doesn't make sense to me, because to me it's like, if she writes a contemporary... Like, obviously, the movie stars are Evelyn Hugo and Celia St. James and the, you know, the bands that you listen to are Daisy Jones and the Six. Like, I just, I don't see how she can write in the real world. Like, does she just mean that Mick River is not going to be mentioned? Like, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Because he, he has been the common thread, just constantly yeah. mentioned. Um, which, why him of all of them? Who knows? We already know about Evelyn Hugo, but she's also in talks for Malibu Rising and for Carrie Soto. Yeah, getting adapted. they're both getting movie deals or um, show deals, you know? Yeah. Malibu Crazy. Rising is the only one that, like, gives me pause because I just... The way the flashbacks work, I don't see it working in a visual content. Like, I, I guess it yeah. can, but, like, you know the party in the present day is like not the point for so much of it like halfway through like it's mostly about the flashbacks so like mm-hmm. i don't know how that would work um but i agree with you malibu rising as like a movie or a show will be the hardest to yes you know but adapt. if they can pull it off these are some really good characters and there's some really cool visuals that they could do um I think with Daisy Jones and the Six, if that's taught us anything, the cast makes everything work. And that's what her books need when they're adapted is that solid cast because it's her characters at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Last recommendation. If you can even call it a recommendation, Taylor Swift is now on tour. The Arrows tour has begun. (laughs) Recommending you to get tickets. (laughs) I highly recommend Arlington is happening and uh, it's 6.30 there right now so that means that the openers are going on so I think it's Gracie Abrams actually Mm -hmm. so Gracie would be going on like right now 
Um, I feel very grateful that she is no longer on the West Coast. So... Because you don't have to stay up and see what happens. Well, I only (laughs) stayed up once. Like, the first night, I was up until (laughs) 2.30. That was not me. I couldn't go, I couldn't go to sleep, Shannon. Like, (laughs) are you kidding? Like, just, like, I, I thought eventually I would go to sleep, but I'm just, like, watching the songs come in. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can't go to sleep. I was, like, I had energy. (laughs) I... I'm really excited. So Alex and I are going um, yeah. in May. If you do not hear for, uh, from us after May, it's because we died <laughs> um, after seeing Taylor Swift live on stage. And like the most surprising thing to me, I think, is the amount of love she gives Folklore and Evermore. Because everybody said like she can't do those in a stadium. Those aren't stadium albums, but yeah, they are. And, and I would argue yes. from like what I've seen, like Folklore has some of like the best like sequences. Okay, like yes, my favorite part of the tour is definitely My Tears Ricochet. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good I'm, one. I'm like obsessed. I'm obsessed. The way that they do like with the dancers. It's very good. <sighs> It's my favorite. Of course, the question is, so she does two surprise songs every night. And Mm -hmm. I love all of the people who have Excel spreadsheets and are keeping track of the the surprise song. Very Virgo energy. Somebody said that she's like 100% going to sing like Coney Island at like one of the shows that's not a national show. Yes. And I was like so mad. Like, I want I mean, Coney it's Island. True. I want, it's like the same with uh, High Infidelity is going to be in Atlanta. April 29th. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's like disappointing. Like, High Infidelity will be like a really good one to see. Mm-hmm. You're right. Coney Island. Um, I, I'm Gold already. Ru- Gold pre- Rush is going to be in Philly. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm already prepared to be so upset that she's probably going to sing Nothing New Night One of Nashville. Um, with yeah. BB. The only thing, like, the only thing is I saw one person saying, oh, I hope that they do nothing new every stop that Phoebe's there as part of the set list rather than the yeah, surprise song. That's, that is a potential because she has shown. Because now we know that she can change the set list. We she, know that she can. Yes. So, she said, you think you know the set list, you're wrong. Yeah, she changed I, okay, that, that is something that I was that is something that I was upset with. I love the one and now knowing that it could be part of the set list, like I really hope we're there for I, the one. Shannon, I Shannon, know you it's, want invisible it's gonna be string. Invis- no, I'm not saying what I want. I actually don't do think that I would want the one, but I'm telling you in Nashville because it's going to be invisible string. Yes. I actually like would love to see the one. Like I don't I don't think I necessarily have a preference there, but mm. I really do think you need to expect Invisible yeah, String in Nashville. That is true. But Man, I love Centennial the one. Park. Yeah. Honestly, like, the one is one of my favorite songs on Folklore. It's yeah. Just, it, I just really, really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, I I can't wait to see what we're going to... I fully think that, like, in Nashville, I think each night, I honestly think a secret song is going to be... Or a surprise song is going to be from debut. I think she's going to play three debut songs. Because it's where her start because it, is. Yeah, because it's Nashville. Or even, like, debut or Fearless, because Fearless, mm-hmm. she's still very country. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. So, but I was like really confused by last night because she's been doing one old and one new song every night up until last night where she did two old songs. She's too chaotic for the Virgos. No, she, there's no pattern now. Like there was a pattern <laughs> up until last night. Yeah. It's gone. There's no pattern. There's no pattern for us Virgos. She said earth and signs then, like, get she away. Also, she also like mentioned like the two songs kind of having a theme and like in the case of cowboy like me and white horse is Mm -hmm. kind of obvious but like i don't like what was the pattern with sad beautiful tragic and ours like i think it was like two ways to look at a past relationship right yeah like because ours is like very sweet i'm not as familiar with ours but it's Mm -hmm. speak now so i'm assuming um, but like, I guess, or or to her, it's the same relationship because it could be. Like, Speak now was when they thought like it was gonna last, and it was like this happy song, and then, and then it didn't. Sad, beautiful, tragic is like the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, that's more intriguing to me than like any of her other patterns. The fact that they are connected, like I really want to see the like the red maroon connection, or like <laughs> or red daylight, maroon, like. Getting maroon, I will complain. We get maroon, I'll be happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, but anyway, moving into the news. This week, we are getting the sequel to Convergence, which was the first book in the phase two of The High Republic. And this book is called Cataclysm. I emphasize this. Y'all didn't hear this. I messed that up so many times on April 4th. (laughs) So, this one's by Lydia Kang. Um, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel. I'm like, I kind of feel iffy on Phase 2 so far. Well, I was going to say, like, you're going in with some pretty low expectations. So, you'll either expectations met that it's fine or you'll be surprised. Right? Yes. And honestly, what has me the most intrigued is that it's Lydia Kang because we haven't really seen her yet. Um, Mm -hmm. But looking at like her Goodreads, like I am intrigued. I also am very interested in some of the relationships and dynamics that were set up in the first book. So we shall see, I think. We shall see. Mm -hmm. Um, But speaking of books... So Alex and I both read, I would say, probably our most anticipated book of the year. Am I wrong in saying that when it comes to Star Wars? No, you're right. So we read Jedi Battle Scars, which is a um, novel that goes with the Jedi Fallen Order games. Um, Jedi Survivor, which is the second one, is coming out soon. We just got a new trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're huge fans of the game. We've talked about it. I don't think we've ever done, like, a specific episode for it, and that's something I would totally be into because that game is so freaking good. Yeah. Um, and, like, we love Cal Kestis. Like, we love Marin. I dressed we're, as Marin at Celebration. We're, like, huge, huge Fallen Order fans. Yes. Um, so we were very excited for this book. Um, and it's by Sam Maggs, and, um, she's a queer author, and, I started following her on Twitter because I liked a lot, like, what she had to say. I love her perspective. Um, She was teasing a lot of things with the book. And then, like, we started hearing some things about the book, and we both started reading the book. And I actually just finished it before we started recording. 
and it just it wasn't good disappointing it's it's disappointing um yeah for us specifically yeah yeah <laughs> it just i don't know it, who this book was for yeah is the thing Shannon put it out, put it really well that it reads very young YA, very like reading level of, I guess, like Shadow, Queen Shadow and like Ahsoka. But like, I think it read even younger than that. Yeah, I kind of think, um, you know, that book Force Collector, you remember that yeah. one? I honestly I feel like I know, but like I, I kind of feel like it reads a little bit on that level with just mm-hmm. how adventury gung ho Star Wars it is. Yeah. But then at the same time, like the romance in it to me reads very Crash of Fate, which is mm-hmm. to mean very, very fluffy. And that level of fluff was yeah. off putting because I don't think it fits mm-hmm. the fallen order characters because fallen order is not fluffy i just want to stick up for crash of fate for a second because even though that book is maybe a little bit too fluffy for our taste it is a well-written book and i would not put this book battle scars on the same level as Crash of Fate, because Crash of Fate I, is I would a really well-written book. I, I would agree with that. Like, I, I definitely rated Crash of Fate much higher than yeah. I did Battle Scars. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, uh, when I was reading it, like, it, it definitely reads, and this is kind of, like, a weird cut to me, um, it kind of reads as as if somebody, like, really liked, like, for example, like, really, really liked Marin and just wanted to write whatever about Marin. And that's fine. Like, kind of like how E.K. really likes Padme and just kind of write, wants to write whatever about Padme. And it's like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But she really did a disservice to so many of the characters. And it, it breaks my heart because I was so excited for this story. And, like, I was excited for, like, the queer aspects. Like, because yeah. Marin is, like, a pansexual character. And I just feel like it fell really flat. I do wonder, though, if that's not on Sam Mag's but actually on the marketing of this book, like she told Pub- Star Wars Publishing, I want to write a Marin book. And Star Wars marketing was like, well, we have to market this as a Jedi Survivor book so it'll sell more. I would, I kind of think that you might have a, I, I think you're right. I think you might yeah, be onto something there. I don't think that's Sam Maggs' fault necessarily because I I feel like they would marketing would say you know like we need to tie this with the game more and a lot of um, casual you know players may not know Marin. Mm-hmm. I I think that if this was just I think if it was a straight up Marin book. And, like, let's say, like, the rest of the Mantis crew wasn't in it. Like, maybe Mm -hmm. she was on, like, a solo mission. The same story plays out. You don't change anything. You just take out the (laughs) Mantis crew. I already think it's better. I still don't like uh, a lot of the choices that she made with Marin's character. But I still think it's better. Because one of, like, the biggest things that, like, bothered Alex and I is that Cal Kestis is just... He's so stupid. He's like a 12-year-old. And we did the math, and he's supposed to be 21 or 22 in this book. Yeah. And he, like, acts like a middle schooler. Yes. It's very strange. And, like, Seer and Grease are 
very like background. They're not really doing anything. Like they, 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 they kind felt, of are. They felt like in character, but they don't do that much. Like they yeah, were. And I fine. think that's why they felt in character because they we don't really spend a ton of time with them. Um, because I would say mm-hmm. like all, this book is like almost split POV between Cal and Marin. Um, is it? All I feel like it almost is. Like especially at the beginning, I feel like yeah. it is split. Mm-hmm. Like I was surprised that it started from Cal's perspective. I thought it was going to be almost entirely from Marin's, and like Marin definitely has it more. But I would say that Cal also gets a lot, and yet mm-hmm. he does nothing. <laughs> Well, that's what I was going to say. I I feel like that's surprising to me because Cal did absolutely nothing in this book and had no thoughts. He had no thoughts. His head was completely empty. Um, (laughs) Like, and not even in a good way. Like, listen, we love us some dumb boys, but this was just weird. Yeah, there's nothing in it that even leans into Survivor at all. So, like, I, mm-hmm. I think you're onto something. I think that she just wanted to write a Marin book. They let her do that. And then they were like, hold on. We should tie this into Survivor. And it's just like, uh, but it doesn't. Yeah. And, like, this book, she, you know, she said, this is a spicy book. And, like, yeah, it is spicy. But to me, it felt weird because I felt like I was reading, like, middle grade or really, really low YA. So and it then didn't there was- feel like it fit. And then it was, like, kinky all of a sudden, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it just – there's no tension. So, like, the romance did nothing for me. Like, they kept talking Mm -hmm. about, like – It was, like, love at first sight. Yeah. Like, it was – Well, and they they keep saying, like, oh, kiss already, cut the tension. And it's, like, what tension? And, like, without, without you know, saying any spoilers, like, this romance is with Marin. I mean, we've been alluding to that because she's, like, yes, the main but, character of this but book. But it's not but, Marin and Cal. It's Marin and somebody else. Yeah. So, anyway, so, like, my thing is that Marin, in the game to me, you know, she had, you know, like, the love of her life, like, mm-hmm. taken from her on Dathomir. And to me, it would make a lot of sense that she's very hesitant to, you know, forming attachments. And I think, like, like she mentions, you know, like, hooking up with people from time to time. I think that's, like, would be pretty in character for her, but not forming any type of emotional connection to someone. So, like, her going from, like, that to just, like, falling head over heels, like, instant love with someone felt out of character to me. Because I don't think she's there yet. Like, we haven't seen that character growth we ha- like we haven't seen that. Like, where is that character growth? Yeah, and I would agree with you. Like, after talking to you about that, like, I, I definitely agree. Like, she, you know, hooks up with lots of people. Like, she mentions that. Like, when they stop, you know, she'll find somebody and just mess around for however long they're there. And to me, having Marin have like a, a like a crush on somebody and literally be like giggling and blushing and all this like it just doesn't it doesn't feel like her Mm -hmm. character like she feels very like standoffish to me especially like as a night sister and she talks about this like it's really hard for her to feel things Mm -hmm. because of what happened to her and yet she is so in love with this character and then that on top of with how the book ends it's very jarring emotionally for the reader it's yeah, like, and, you know, I would have loved to, you know, like, give Marin this, you know, romantic um, storyline, but actually have it about her 
those walls breaking down about mm-hmm. her finally learning to trust and fall in love again rather than it happening so fast. Yes. And and also the thing about like learning to trust because I, I, I feel like they really talk about how much the Mantis like is a team and a family and all this. And yes, but at times like it was it was almost like two rebels stand in, you know, mm-hmm. like we didn't get to see that development. Like, these characters are so traumatized, every single one of yeah. them. And I, I wish we could have spent more time with that. Because the time that we do get to spend is kind of robbed because of the story that's happening. Um, so, and, and, like, Alex put it really well. She said, that like, the story has, like, some good bones. It just wasn't executed well. Yeah. Like, if you took just, like, the, uh, you know, spark notes of it and went off of that and rewrote the story... There could be a really good story there. Yeah. Like, I definitely, like, this doesn't, like, I haven't, like, written off Sand Mags, but, like, I, I've been begging for a Fallen Order book, and this isn't what I wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think we kind of expected something like Inferno Squad, which is one of our favorite books, and mm-hmm. a video game tie-in, and it's incredible. And, you know, thinking about it, I was like, well... You know, Chrissy Golden would have been a really good choice for this book because she's already written Dathomir so much. So she mm-hmm. has that, like, background in the lore to write Dathomir. And she's done video game tie-ins. Yeah. Well, and see, like, I, I wouldn't even know, like, if I could – if I would ever recommend this book because it's, like, if you are a fan of the game, I, I don't think you would like it. And if you haven't played the game, like, it's definitely fine. Like, you don't have to have played the game to read it. I just feel like you're missing so much of the characters by not experiencing yeah. the game. You're not you're not understanding who Cal is. You're, like you said, we both, in our opinion, think that Marin's off here because she's a lot more emotional than she comes across in the game. I, I honestly think if you came across this book and you'd never played the game and you get so excited by it that you, like, play the game or you, like, watch a walkthrough, I think you'd be really uh, disappointed Dis- in the game. Disappointed in the other direction. In the other direction. In the other direction, because you'd be like, oh, these aren't the characters I read. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, I don't know who this is for. Um, so it's it's just disappointing, you know? And I, I mm-hmm. hate that because I feel like the the representation, like, the queer representation, like, yeah. was awesome. But mm-hmm. it just, the story itself just didn't work. Yeah. So moving on from that, um, we got a lot to get through before we get to Bad Batch, guys. <laughs> so Mando is Mandoing. Uh, we are on episode six comes out this week, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yes. Because we had we – had, <laughs> Is that Bryce? I think that's Bryce's episode six. Ooh, maybe. So we had episodes one and two, which we did talk about, um, Mythos Our Baby – and then we had episode three with the scientists. <laughs> oh my gosh, we loved episode three. We loved episode three. <laughs> so everybody hated episode three. I loved it. <laughs> I want to say everyone. I don't know. Not that everyone hated it. It found its audience with us. It, we were <laughs> the audience. Coruscant, <laughs> popsicles. It was like fanficy in the most in a good positive, way. best way. <laughs> yeah, well, and I feel like it did a lot of world building, um, mm-hmm. especially with like the reconstruction and like how they're integrating 
members from the Empire and how, like, they're really not handling it well. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am so fascinated by that program with ex-Imperials. Like, I've never seen anything like that. And the fact that, like, you know, a few months earlier, they're taking Imperials who are, you know, defecting and saying, oh, we need more bodies. We need more bodies in this rebellion. We don't need to check if you're mentally doing okay. Like, if you're... Uh, you know, um, being a good person or something like that. So it's interesting. Only a couple of years later, this is happening. It, and honestly, like this is still like super early days um, into like sequel territory. But honestly, like if anything, it makes the first order feel more plausible. Because yeah. like these Imperials, like a lot of them are like some of them are remorseful some of them are like it was literally just a job some of them you know do still align with the empire but like could you imagine like it, if that like, was it really feels like they're on probation you know it does like, yeah well and like especially the scientist like he just wants to continue his work and they won't let him it, and he wants like, to do the work for good for like curing yeah. diseases and the more they push him, the more off-put he's going to be by the New Republic, and the more likely he is to return to something Empire-like, you know? And I really mm-hmm. like that. I like the way that they did that. I like what they're setting up with, um, I can't remember her name, um, but the the woman in the episode as well, because she used to be like on Moff Gideon's um, team. And I I really like that. Um, She's so good. So, like, that episode as Mm -hmm. a whole, like, I was just – it was so fun. I – it makes you wonder, like, if any of your faves are involved in creating this program or approving it in any way. Like, even, like, Leia, like, does – what does she know about this program? Like, what – or Hera, like, not necessarily thinking, like, that they, you know, had a hand in creating, like, the malicious parts of this program, but them, you know, approving a project that someone else is heading up and being like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And then it's very, you know, dark and very, you know, abusive of people. Um, and then not really knowing that's happening under their watch because the uh, New Republic is, like, new and they're, you know... There's too much to oversee. Well, and I, I think it was um, Sarah from Friends of the Force because she she loves um, Wild Lark from Alphabet Squad. Mm-hmm. And I think she said that he's one of the ones who like mentioned a program like this. And she said like mm-hmm. this wasn't his like this isn't what he meant. So it's like maybe yeah. that's he was part of it and it just got like warped, you know. Um, yeah. So I really love seeing that. And like we we talked about like. You know, they scrapped Rangers of the Republic um, because of the Gina Carano everything. Um, And this feels like maybe that's where this came from. Yeah. Um, Because Mando's not in it at all. Um, And we felt that again with episode five because of um, some like pilots um, and Rangers that are in that. Um, And so, like, I like that they're tying that in. I still have this overwhelming or this overall sense that, like, I don't really know where Mando is going. I, I do feel more hopeful after episode five because I feel like 
where it's going is actually with Bo-Katan. Like, I kind of feel like she's the main character now, not Din. Which is exciting. It is exciting. Like, I thought I'd be more upset about it, but he's kind of done. And I I kind of like that they've acknowledged that. Yeah, and I feel like with Bryce, like, Bryce is kind of, like, done really good stuff. With Bo-Katan already. I would agree with that. So I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. It's almost like she's kind of taken that character under her wing. Because she's directed quite a few, like, Bo-centric stuff. So I'm really excited to see this week to see, like, what she does. Yeah. It'll be cool. Yeah. I think think it's – I like the direction that it's going. I did think it took a while to get there, but I I am – I am looking – so we also got a trailer for Young Jedi Adventures. Um, stand Wasn't out. it a short? Oh, was it a short? Um, let me just open it. Was it a short it or a trailer? History. It's a short. Ah, okay. So we also got a short um, for Young Jedi Adventures. Stand out nubs. Yeah. Our and Booba, there's like so much Booba. nubs merch. Yeah. There's, like, so much Nubs Burge. It's so cute. It's, like, Disney Junior. This, like, we've needed um, Disney Junior, like, level kind of Star Wars stuff to get, like, little kids introduced to Star Wars. Like, I feel like we've needed this for, you know, decades. Yeah, because we've never had it. And the closest we've ever gotten was Resistance, and that still wasn't Disney Junior. Like, that's what no. we needed. Because, like, baby, like... I was even going to say the, um... What are the ones with the the women? Oh, um, yes. I can't even think of what it's called. It was, like, Women of the Galaxy or something there of the galaxy. There was that went with it. Yes. That was, that was very... That, that was filling that role, but we haven't had it since. And, like, Grogu had that potential, but, like, he's in Mando, which is not a kid's show. Not a kid's... Yeah, and, like... You know, George Lucas has always said, like, this is for 12-year-old boys. <laughs> um, but, um, I know well, like, how several are we introducing... 12-year-old boys, and they are not into Star Wars. <laughs> well, like, and, and I like the idea of introducing Star Wars to younger than that, to, you know, four, five, six-year-olds. I will say, that's what's been so weird about teaching middle school. They do not care about star wars so many of them don't have never seen any of it they don't know anything about mm-hmm. it i'll maybe get like one or two that are star wars fans Do it's kind of wild skeleton crew Do i don't think know that's what they're doing with skeleton crew they're trying to get that age i involved. hope so like they need to start appealing to this like to that generation because yeah, otherwise they're, they're the not future. gonna have yeah in the you know in 20 years when they want to do the till 10, 11, 12. I mean, we'll be around. <laughs> we'll be there. But they're not going to get demographics under us. Right. Yeah. So it's just – it's been very strange um, because, like, I have a lot of Star Wars decorations and, like, I wear a lot of, like, Star Wars things and T-shirts. And, like, the kids either range from don't know what it is to that's really cringy. Um, and it could just be because I'm an adult and everything I do is cringe to a 12-year-old, yeah. but it's I very mean, strange. Also, I was going to say, like, 
some of the kids could also be hearing what their like parents said about the new trilogy which is also true like I I yeah. also agree with that like just feeling really disheartened by the series as a whole um so yeah. I I hope that with stuff like this they're they're trying to rebuild that trust or starting a relationship with these kids cuz that's what they need they need to focus away from what they've been focusing on and focus back on the kids. So our last bit for the news before we jump into the Bad Batch is that Star Wars Celebration Europe is this weekend, um, Friday through Monday. Yeah. Yes. Um, in London. We are not going mm-hmm. um, because we are poor and work. <laughs> and we're going to see Taylor Swift. And we're going to see Taylor Swift. Like, so like, listen, it doesn't matter. Okay, like, I mean, we made the decision not to go to a celebration in Europe before we knew about the Eras Tour, but in hindsight, it was the best decision because now we get to go to the Eras Tour. Yes. Yeah, I agree because, like... I wouldn't have been able to do both. I yeah. don't think I would have been able to do but I, Or at least come to a show with you. Like, if I yeah. could afford to go to the Eras Tour, I probably couldn't fly, you know, to Nashville. I'd probably have to go closer to where I am. Yeah, so, like, 100%, like, best decision we ever made. And also, like, <laughs> I, like I don't... I don't want to go have my first experience in London be just for a convention. Yeah. Like, I'd want to, like, go I mean, and experience it. I know some people, like, Arzu and Brit, they're going to Paris first. They're going to Disneyland Paris for a oh, few days. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And, and then they're going to be in London and everything. So they've made a whole trip out of it, and it mm-hmm. sounds really fun. But I just, like, using that many vacation days up, like, yeah. it's hard. <laughs> well, and it's, like, the end of the school year for me. Like, we're in, like, testing yeah. crunch time. So it's like it was never going to happen. Um, but I am really excited for the people who are going. I'm really excited about um, a lot of the panels that I've been hearing about, like um, the one where it's like what the force in Scavengers Horde. And then, you know, Sky Talkers is getting a panel, which is really cool. Um, but we we can't just talk about celebration without trying to predict some things, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think number one biggest <laughs> prediction is going to be Bad Batch season three. Yeah. And I think that they're going to say it's last season. Yes. I think it is. I think they are too. And honestly, like, I am okay with that because that means direction, you know? Yeah. And I, and, and it was very clear to me, like we were saying earlier, this season had a direction. It like, did. So much more so than Mando. And so like, much more so there than was we a direction. thought. Like, at, at the mm-hmm. beginning, we were like, maybe this is the direction. And like, it was. And, when I finished the last episode, knowing that they're having a Bad Batch panel, because when I first heard about it, you told me, I was like, why are they having a Bad Batch channel? And then I saw that and I'm like, oh, it's to announce season three, 100 percent. Yeah. I'm sure they'll have some of the voice actors there. They'll talk about some moments and then hopefully announce season three. I don't know if they would have any preview to show or anything, like if it's already in production or not. I don't know. I feel I like it know. might be like early days but or they like might viz dev art like yeah. a bit of like artwork especially since um, it like just wrapped you know yeah that if if i could go to any panel it would be that one it really sucks that they're not doing live streams this year at all yeah it does no. 
Um, I would have loved, I would have sat and watched the Bad Batch panel for sure. Mm. Um, there's also obviously the um, filmmaking panel where they just talk about the slate, like the Lucasfilm showcase or whatever it is. I don't care what um, they announce during that panel. I'm not going to believe a single thing that they say. Okay. I <laughs> think there will be maybe the, I don't know, will there there be a final trailer for Indy or some clip from Indy? True. Like an exclusive look at in- Indy, I think. That's, that's true. Soon. Um. Unfortunately, they will not be talking about Willow. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we haven't even been able to talk about that, I don't think. About Willow. Yeah, we were on a bit of a roller coaster ride with Willow getting canceled and then not being canceled and being like, well, we're on pause. Yes. So, like, the official is that they are on pause. It's not that it's canceled. It's just not happening right now, which honestly, like, I'm not mad at because I want them to be able to tell the best story they can. And I'd rather them take their time and, like, let what's happening now fizzle out and let their actors you know do what they need to do so that they can tell the best story that they can like i I would rather that you know my impression was they won't be filming in the next year so they needed to let the actors out of a contract to be like yes like you go take jobs yes at other shows movies whatever for the next year you know and then we're gonna maybe revisit it see when we can get all our schedules working and also you know the industry is going through a bit of a like recession because of the pandemic um you know like having like a height a heightened need for um entertainment and then Mm -hmm. it kind of dropping off so that's also happening so I'm feeling pretty good about that now. I was really, really mad when it was first, yeah. like, it's canceled. I was angry. So, yeah, probably won't hear about that at Celebration. Um, there is the uh, Star Wars movie on the 2024 <laughs> slate in December. It's it's in the schedule, Shannon. It's still in the schedule. But, like, every time... Was it 2025? It might be 2025, but there's I, one in the I think it's 2025 schedule. now. But, like, the thing is, is, like, how since last celebration, which was, like, a year ago, I swear they've announced three different things and all three things have, like, fallen through. Well, Patty Jenkins thing is done. Yeah, Patty Jenkins um, is gone. They said Taika Waititi's... He's too busy. He's busy right now, but it's not canceled. Yeah. Kevin um, Feige. Ryan Johnson is busy. Ryan Johnson is busy. Yep. Kevin Feige's project is canceled, I think. I think it I think his is canceled, yes. Yeah. Um, so like our two kings, Taika and Ryan, are busy. Yeah. Like, busy kings, like good for them. Yeah, like stay busy kings, but like, you know. <laughs> so like honestly, um, anything that they announce, like I just I don't know if I would believe it unless they had like <laughs> like a lot of substance to it's it it's true it's true like even you know there was this confirmed movie that is supposed to be that 2025 slate um the uh whole like the directors dropped out apparently that movie is still being worked on but by other people and that only changed hands like last week so what are they gonna really announced something that changed hands last week yeah so like i just i i don't when it comes to films like i kind of wish that they would just stop and just like let it breathe like just yeah just focus on their disney plus shows 
Um, and just I let do, it breathe. Although I do wonder if they're getting a lot of pressure from Disney oh, to I'm put sure out a are. film because, well, because of the you know profit that they would get off of a blockbuster rather because they're you know they're losing money on Disney Plus. Yeah, I, I'm sure that they are, but it's just like at this point, it's embarrassing, you know. Like, it, yeah, it it is. It's like keep it secret until you feel really confident about exactly. it, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I I do think that they will probably show something of Ahsoka, like whether it is a trailer or if it is like a clip. Yeah, I mean, likely that one's the next one after Mando, right? It is. So like surely it's going to be a trailer. Um, And then Acolyte. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet they'll show something of Acolyte. Skeleton Crew also. Skeleton Crew. Yeah. I wonder what they have for Skeleton Crew. Because they didn't have anything last year. So surely they've got a little bit more now. Well, they've started filming that. They have. Along with that, like Acolyte and Skeleton Crew have have been filming. So they do have something to show. I think you're right that Ahsoka is going to be a trailer or a teaser trailer that Mm -hmm. will be uh, released to the public. Yeah. Whereas the stuff from Skeleton Crew and Acolyte might be just for the people in the room. Yes. Which, like, I'm not mad at. Like, I would love to see what they show for Acolyte. Um, But at the same time, like, I... It's so weird to me that, like... Not that I'm excited for Ahsoka, because I'm not. Like, I don't... I'm I'm still on the finish on whether or not I'm going to watch it. But they just have said nothing. And it's... It's supposed to be, like, pretty soon. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But like otherwise I I don't know. Star Wars seems kind of like a like a mystery at the moment. It's <laughs> you know it's very strange. It's very strange time for Star Wars. And honestly, they did it to themselves. They know what they did. They put themselves in this problem. So Okay. <laughs> I okay. I this is gonna be like really offhand, but what I think that they should do is give Walt Disney Animation Studios something to make Star Wars like how they made Big Hero uh, Big Hero 6. Yeah. That'd be great, actually. Like, that's what they yeah. need. Like a really, really strong animated movie mm-hmm. done by the studio. I think that would be great. Honestly, and get, like, people into Star Wars again. Because Big Hero 6 is a great movie. Like, the only animated, like, theatrical that they've ever done is Clone Wars. And, like, their animation right now, like, with um, Visions. I bet they'll do mm-hmm. some stuff about Visions Season 2 also. Um, oh, Visions is having its own panel, though, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. Um, yeah. So, like, with what they've been doing with Visions, like, I don't see why they wouldn't make an animated movie. Like, let that be your next big blockbuster. Like, do something as, like, cool and innovative as Into the Spider-Verse. Like, and get people talking again get about people Star talking Wars being again. cool. Like, that's the way to make Star Wars cool again is making a really killer animated movie. Mm-hmm. Because, like, yeah, we loved Bad Batch, and we're going to talk about Bad Batch, but, like, that's not, like, none of my kids know about Bad Batch. Like, none of them. Yeah. It's not necessarily, like, innovative. Like, you're saying, no. like, do something innovative, like, Into the Spider-Verse. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and, like, play with the music. Like, Star Wars, to me, is, like, known for music. 
like mm-hmm. play with it do something new like tell a different story like you could tell like a jedi story like you could even have it be like in an alternate universe or whatever or you could do something set like higher public era like just have fun with it you know that's what they need like i feel like star wars has just lost its way because they're not they're not having fun and it kind of feels like they're not having fun (laughs) (laughs) so bad bash is having fun (laughs) Uh, in the the words of jj abrams it's it's gonna be fun (laughs) Okay, like, I, like, who would have thought that, like, our favorite, you know, Star Wars thing this year, at least so far this year, would be Bad Batch? Certainly not me. Um, Certainly not. I mean, my my expectations for Survivor are high because Fallen Order was great, but I'm nervous. I'm very nervous. It could be disappointing. Um, But yeah, like, Bad Batch, like, who would have thought, like, this might be my favorite thing that Star Wars does all year. Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember, like, at the beginning of the season, we were like, I think our expectations are too high. And now I feel like our expectations were just right. Like, mm-hmm. they're exactly what they needed to be, and they met all of them. And that was outstanding. Like, they really tapped into the heart of what Star Wars is about. And, like, yeah, this Found is the family. dark... Yeah, it's It's not found family. family. And, like, this is the darker middle chapter, but it feels so hopeful. Like, this is, like, I I don't want to say that it's, like, how I felt after The Last Jedi, but you know how, like, The Last Jedi, it's, like, it is the darker middle chapter, but, like, you got this sense of, like, we know what we need to do. Like, I, I have such a clear, like, I know where we're going, like, and I feel like we're gonna get that happy ending. And that's just, yeah. like, that's really special. I feel like we have to start with um, our most anticipated episode, which was Pabu. We were um, so excited. <laughs> if you if you listen to our last episode, um, we were very, uh, like, obsessed with the idea of Pabu. Because, like, what is it? We don't know. We had so many thoughts, so many theories. None of them were right, except for the fact that it is Booba. Um, the Booba Kiki conversation. Um, it is Booba. Pabu is a place. It is a oasis. I loved Pabu. I, you know, I was told by someone who, um, had a preview of Pabu that I needed to lower my expectations about Pabu because we were so excited. But no, no, I loved Pabu. Pabu was so good. Like, I think my expectations weren't high enough. (laughs) (laughs) Like, listen, so yes, Pabu is a place. Um, somebody pointed out that the fact that the Bad Batch grew up on a planet that was covered in water and now they're, like, settling and maybe finding a home on a planet that is covered in water, just wow, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a water planet and it's an island, like a tropical island, and it's this huge mm-hmm. big city. It felt so fantasy to me. Like, it, it just, it was beautiful yeah. the way that it was done. And it just, it gave the batch a minute to be like, we could settle down and have a home here. I was like so emotional. I couldn't believe it. Like that's (laughs) one of the things that we were talking about. Like, are they going to be on the run forever? Are they going to break from Sid? Like they are in the process of leaving Sid. What's their end goal? Are they joining the rebellion or are they 
making a safe place for Omega. Yes. And this episode, like, I have no notes. The way that they showed each member of the Bad Batch fitting in here. Like, Mm -hmm. they each, like, found joy here. All of them were happy. Hunter was the one that was, you know, concerned. But then you would see him seeing how happy Omega is. Exactly. By the end of it, that was, like, that was a journey that Hunter went through this episode. Yes. Um, And by the end of it, it was, like... Yes, like, we could settle down here. Mm-hmm. We were even on to something with Omega and her young Avengers because she gets a friend in this episode. Like, <laughs> Liana. Liana. Yeah. I love that. I love that. this. I really loved her getting a friend, like, her own age because we saw her interact with Hera, which was really good. But mm-hmm. Hera was, a, like, a bit older than her, so it was, like, really nice to see her, like, with, like, an equal someone, like, the same point of life as, as her. Well, and, like, another girl, too. Like, it, it's always good to see her interacting with women because, you know, she is a clone and, like, traditionally like, all the clones are men. season. I'm telling you. And it, and it pays off in it, the last episode. It did pay off. Like, I, I remember when Fee was introduced and I was like, I don't know. But then we get this one and then we get, like, the last episode and I was like, oh, wow. So, like, us catching on to, you know, Omega, um, you know – meeting women who you know show her a different perspective than the batch can even and it re- oh my god so i couldn't good. believe it like when we were talking about that like I, even in my mind i was like i don't know like we're probably reaching because this is like a bad no, batch like, show but like we were this was setting up so much um and you know like this this episode kind of starts off with them flying to Pabu, right? Fee is taking them there because she is familiar with this island. Um and she says, "Oh, like you guys, you know, cut things off with Sid." And she's like, "You know, like Sid's not like a person you should cross." So that was like our first little hint that like, oh no. This well, is and like it's also a first little hint that like Fee like really does have their best interests at heart. Like yeah. she brought them to Pabu mm-hmm. for them to see that they could have a home. And yeah. that was so, so important. But yeah, like <laughs> she was like, you know, you really shouldn't like you can't trust it at all. And I even I was like, I wrote that off, but she was she was very right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think at the beginning of the season we were just we're like, okay, Fee's this new character that kind of came in. Like, if anything, she's going to be the one mm-hmm. to be the villain. And it ended up being, you know, like, the other way around, which I really enjoyed. Um, Fee, you know, takes them to this island and introduces them to the mayor. And the mayor is, like, the most welcoming, you know, person, you know. Um, they were, like, welcomed with open arms for the first time probably – in their lives. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say, like, ever. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, think Especially, about, like, truly being welcome somewhere. Well, because during the war, they were different. They were, even as clones, like, they were outsiders, you know? So, like, this is yeah. the first time I feel like somebody was like, you're you're welcome here, and, like, we want you here. You you fit in here. Like, yeah. that's, that's so important, and I, I love that they gave them this, you know? And they're able to stop and think, like, maybe we should just start a life here yeah um 
And that's kind of where we leave them for a minute because we get into tipping point and we're back into a crosshair episode. And it's not till the end where we finally see like, you know, like what would bring the batch back into the fight. Um, and tipping point, like, man, I I constantly think about, especially mm-hmm. after the outpost, like I constantly think about that first crosshair episode we got this season and how upset I was. Like I was so upset because I thought that it they were doubling down on Crosshair. Like, Cody was in it, and Cody left, and yeah. Crosshair was just still being awful. And I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe they're doubling down. And then we got Outpost, and then we get Tipping Point. And Crosshair is truly out here fighting for his life, like, realizing mm-hmm. that he messed up, but then also being like, I can't get out of this, but I can save my brothers. Like, are you kidding me? No. Shannon, how do you think um, it would hit if you watched the Crosshair episodes as, like, a trilogy? I would like love to, to find out how that hits, honestly. Are you going to watch it? Are you going to do it? I Now that you put that idea in my head, like, yeah, I would love to see how that hits. Because it just – this is such a good follow-up to The Outpost – seeing crosshair because mm-hmm. like you had said like you know he gets captured and it's like oh my god is this like winter soldier what's going on and like they want to know where the bad batch is because they need omega because nala say won't do anything for the empire so they want omega and the way it's so devastating because like crosshair doesn't even know where they are <laughs> so it's like even if you wanted yeah. to tell them like he can't he doesn't even know where they are and the fact that he escapes and the only thing he was trying to do is warn them. He's like, I'm not getting out of here alive, and I'm not trying to get out of here. I'm trying to warn them. Everything yeah. to me. Everything to me. That was for me. <laughs> <laughs> I also really love seeing the Bad Batch get this message because, mm-hmm. like... We, we talked about that. Like, do the Bad Batch trust Crosshair? Would they go save him? You know? Like, that was something we talked about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it's been, like, a common thing that, you know, Tech, you know, mentions him, misses him. I don't think that they ever gave up hope for Crosshair. None of them ever did. Yeah. I think they put up a really good show of leaving him behind. But I, I kind of think that their attitude in the end was like Echo leaving. Like he's on his own path and we can't tell him what to do. Like he's on his yeah. own mission. And I think when they get that message, you can see like they don't know if they should trust him because last time mm-hmm. it didn't go well. But like the look on Tech's face when he like sees where they're keeping him because it's like this research facility. It's a big deal that they decide like they want to help him. Like, yeah, I I remember when we were theorizing, like, what is plan 99? And like one of my thoughts was like, maybe they're going to rescue the rest of the clones and like that and like Crosshair is going to get left behind. And the fact that they decided to go get him was really like exciting to see because I I wasn't sure Mm -hmm. if they would. Yeah. I'm like excited to get talking about plan 99 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like we've made it to the, the two-part finale. Yeah. The two, so, I mean, guys, I mean, we've been spoiling episode 13, 14, but, like, truly, we are going to spoil the finale, and it is a heavy hitter. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Like, I remember telling Alex, because she didn't watch until later, I was like, because she was telling me to stay off Twitter because of Mando, and I'm like, no, 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 you need to stay off because of Bad Batch. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's so, it's so funny, because my what I got spoiled from Mando is so, incons- like, consequential, so like, compared, like, yeah, it's, like, so trivial compared to what I could have gotten spoiled from Bad Batch. Yeah, literally, because, like... <laughs> I was like, oh, there was two cameos in the summit, um, Mm -hmm. which are exciting. But then, like, if you get spoiled on, like, Plan 99, it's so, like, seriously, if you haven't watched, like, you don't want to be spoiled. Like, I I genuinely think you need to go in and just be surprised that it happens. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first thing I want to address is use (laughs) the first point is LOL, fee and tech. Um, excuse me, OTP, Fiantech. She calls him brown eyes. Oh, listen, <laughs> I ship it. I just, like, fi- found the scene funny. <laughs> it was funny because tech is so awkward. And I love that. Well, like, I, I, I did enjoy that, like, she, so she goes up to him and he, she's like, oh, like, why didn't you say that you were leaving? Like, you didn't say goodbye. Like, she's, like, annoyed. He's like, did you require like, a briefing? She, yeah, and she's like, well, we're friends. Like, don't you, like, tell friends, like, where you're going and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, this is cute. And, like, there's very, like, romantic tones with them. Yes. And he kind of – he's very, like, just, like, stone in the face, like, talking to her. But then, like, as, like, they part, he kind of, like, looks back and you can, like, see the gears moving in his head. Like, you can see that. And yeah. I'm like, tech. I'm like, I, I yeah, do, you're starting to realize. <laughs> I do think that tech is um, a little autism coded, um, mm-hmm. which I, I feel like is kind of a cop out because a lot of the times like the analytical smart character don't know emotions is the autism coded character. But mm-hmm. I love that we immediately pegged him as like we ship everybody with tech and then he's the one <laughs> who got the ship. Like, I, yeah, I, that was outstanding on our part. <laughs> Um, yeah, we used to be such big technic shippers. We were. And, like, listen, like, maybe it happened and we just didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, I ship Fee and Tech. Yeah. Yeah. What is their, what is their, what is their <laughs> ship name? Feck. Um, yeah. <laughs> Feck. Sounds T- a little bit like a swear word. Yeah. Fee, Fee Tech. Tech Fee. I don't know. Tea. Tea. <laughs> yeah, that we need some workshopping. Um, so they don't know exactly how to get to Crosshair, uh, but there is a big summit happening uh, with all of the Imperials and then the, the lead, like, scientist person that they need. So, like, they're trying to yes, break into the Dr. summit. Dr. Hemlock. Dr. Hemlock. Evil McEvil. <laughs> name um so like they're breaking in just to put a tracker on this ship like they're they're it's covert in and out blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. but they're like something's wrong what's Mm -hmm. happening somebody else is here somebody's here to to mess up everything 
They run into Saw. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was so surprised. I couldn't (laughs) believe it. And it's young. Like, this is really early days. Like, this is young Saw Gerrera. Mm -hmm. Like, fresh off Mm -hmm. of his episodes from The Clone Wars, basically. Yes. So, like, you said, like, this is pre-him being, like, uh, Jen's, you know, adopted dad, basically. Like, this is before that happens. Yes. Um, And we know that for a fact, because who else is at this summit? Krennic? And they play Jen Erso's theme? And Kren- I will say, like, Krennic animated looks so good. Like, yes. they, they, the design? They, yes. Great. Well, and, like, I mean, we see Tarkin. Yeah, and we've yeah, seen yeah. Tarkin before, so it's mm-hmm. not, like, a big deal. But seeing Chronic in animation, like, so cool. Well, and, like, the fact that they mention, like, product, Project Stardust and, like, that's the Death Star. Like, yes. this is... And it plays, like you said, it plays Jin's theme. I love that. Like, I, I love those little <sighs> moments of connection because that immediately put me in, like, oh, this is Catalyst. Like, we're in Catalyst time period right now. Like, immediately. Uh-huh. And I love that. Like, that was so, so cool. Um, but yeah, they are trying to just put this tracker in there, but Sagarera is like, um, no, I'm blowing this up. And they're like, what is that going to accomplish? And he's like, I don't care. I'm blowing it up. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's very Saw and especially young Saw. Like, yeah. And, and I was also thinking a lot about Inferno Squad watching this. Yeah. Mm hmm. Because that's a, that's part of his partisans. Mm-hmm. It's good. I also want to talk about the cloning of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Dr. Hemlock makes a few remarks about how this cloning project is for the Emperor and how the budget is huge and that, you know, Tarkin needs to be convinced that this budget can go to the cloning. Um, meanwhile, like, the Emperor's, like, masterminding it all, so Tarkin doesn't have any say, obviously. I love that um, it's, like, uh, <laughs> the budget. It's, like, I have a massive budget. <laughs> um, you need to give me this money. <laughs> like, I just, I love Yeah. That's so funny to me. I, and, like, we get into cloning more when we see, like, we, we go into episode 16, Mm. Um, about how they think that this isn't possible. Like what, you know, the Lava Sue doesn't think it's possible. Like what he's wanting to do. And I still think, so I'm constantly reminded of like when we first were talking about cloning and like them wanting Grogu, one of the first things like we said was like, they're probably trying to clone his force sensitivity. Because there's yes. no point in cloning the Emperor if he's not Force-sensitive. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where that comes into play with, like, Nala Say and everybody. Although it has been theorized that Omega might be Force-sensitive. But, like, we haven't really seen anything that backs that up. I wonder, though, because, like, you said, you know, Omega was brought in as motivation for Nala Say. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, oh, we're going to kill Omega if you don't do what we're saying. Yeah. Is that a bluff? You know, like, is that a bluff and they actually really need Omega? I, I don't so know. So they're going to, you know. I, I kind of got I kind of got the impression that, like, Nala Say is the one who is, like, important. And she won't do anything, but she's, like, very emotionally attached to Omega. So, like, I kind of get the feeling that that's why they wanted her. Um, 
Whereas before, it was more mysterious on why they wanted her. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder then, who, like, what do they have? Or are they just in the first process of testing on clones? Like, they haven't even gotten to the force sensitivity issue yet. I feel like they probably haven't. Um, although, like, Palpatine, the classic Palpatine, is, like, always 20 steps ahead I mean, yeah, he's alive. Yeah, but I mean, he still has, like, 20 years before, like, actually more than 20 years before um, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But, like, who knows when he started working on his contingency. I feel like he starts working on it um, somewhere within the Vader comics because of just, like, descent with Vader I think when he learns about Luke, he gets a little bit nervous. So, like, I, I feel like it's not necessarily to clone Palpatine yet, but I still feel like but that what is, is something that he might want. what is interest here? Cloning for the Emperor, like, it's mentioned that it's for him. That's true. Yeah. Like, I don't mean, like, for him, for specifically Palpatine, but for Palpatine's wishes. Like, yes, like what, what does, does he, he want? want? What, what's, um, yeah. The other question, the other question I'm having now is if they want Grogu to be able to clone his Force abilities, have they ever tested this on other Force users before? Exactly, right? Like, and they have they failed? Have they killed the Force user trying? Well, that brings a whole new layer to the Inquisitors, too. Like, oh, yeah. You know? Oh, man, yeah. Yes. That brings a whole new layer to them and their crusade and their mission. Mm-hmm. So... It, Although it, the Inquisitors report to Vader, right? They do. So, like, but is Palpatine doing something behind Vader's back with them? Possibly, Question. right? Or, like, yeah. reporting, like, the one, the Jedi that they find and don't kill, like, you know... Maybe they get sent away for testing or something like that. Would be very what interesting. Is, and what is Survivor going to be about them? Like, could I feel like we saw pickle jars in the trailer? Did we not see pickle what jars did we in see? the trailer? Did we not see pickle jars? <laughs> Wait. Oh my god. Did we did not we figure out the plot of did Survivor? Did we just figure out the plot of Jedi Survivor? <laughs> <laughs> Are they hunt? Are they gonna hunt Cal to do force experiments on him, like cloning experiments? I don't know. I have or a lot of are questions. we gonna find out about that? Like you said, Inquisitor. Okay, but so like one of the things that Battle Scars did do is mention Cal's dream when he like had a dream that he was an Inquisitor and he liked it, and mm-hmm. and he liked it. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> I yeah, you know, I liked it. Yeah, l- listen, guys, I made Alex a crochet Inquisitor Calcastus. So it's my favorite cow. I mean, like, um, see, but like, can I just say for a second, we saw nothing of Inquisitor Cal in this book in the sense of like his personality. Like, no, Calcastus yeah. can get dark, and he was baby. He was very baby. He's ba- he is baby, but not that kind of baby. Yeah, he is baby girl, not. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, he's baby girl. Yeah, I get it. I get. It. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> like I, I can't explain it in regular terms. Um, but yeah, like so that's very very fascinating, and I potentially we could be seeing more of that in season three of Man- of um, Bad Batch as well. So, Saw is like, 
you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to blow it up anyway. And of course, the Bad Batch are like, uh, okay, and trying to escape because the Empire finds them and thinks that they're the problem and they get trapped on a rail car and the rail car malfunctions and then my whole world shatters. Yeah, so it, that episode it ends like that. Yes. And then we reopen with the finale. They're still stuck on the rail car. Um... I don't know how to start this conversation. I don't know how to start this conversation um, either. Okay, I will say this. Okay. Out of all of the things that I thought Plan, 89, Plan 99 was going to be, it, it wasn't ev- – I never once thought that this is what it was. And I saw true. somebody mention that it is probably named after Clone 99 and what he did. Um, oh, yeah. Did you see that episode? I think I might have seen it. I can't remember. I think I did. It, I mean, it's not clear in my mind, but yes. So, like, for them, you know, um, Plan 99, I guess, is, you know, sacrifice. Yes. Right? Sacrificing yourself for the – to help the team. Mm-hmm. Taking one for the team, if you will. <laughs> um. So, tech – he ends up hanging from the rail car. It, we have a wrecker, I think, trying to mm-hmm. get him up. Well, and them trying to get him up is making it worse. Like the rail it's car fall kill worse. kill them all, basically. Yes. Because of the weight of where they're putting their weight on the rail car. Oh, boy. I Here's a spoiler. Tech executes Plan 99. Cuts he the rope. Sacrifices, he sacrifices himself to f- save his family. I did not expect a, a Bad Bash member to die. No. <laughs> never. I never I thought. Actually, never. I take that back. I did think that if somebody was going to die, it was going to be Echo. Um, mm-hmm. Just low stakes, you know? I never once thought it was going to be a Bad Batch member, like a, an original like Bad main, Batch member. Main. Yeah. yeah. Um, let alone tech. I think what this, like, first of all, what this did for me is realize that, you know, like, this show is meant for an older audience than sometimes it thinks it is. Yes, I would Um, agree with that. I think that that, that's, like, one, you know, criticism for me is that some episodes do feel very young. And some feel Um, very mature. Like, there's no... It, there's no clear audience for Bad Batch. Yeah. I mean, the audience is me. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> but there, there's a better audience here than there is in Battlestars. <laughs> but um, I think that's my one criticism is that um, the, these final episodes felt um, very mature. Versus the for first the same audience two episodes. As, yeah, as the first few episodes. Um and I think this episode made me look at the Bad Batch in a different mindset that, you know, like, anything could happen and that, you know, we can lose members, like, the way we lose people in Rogue One, basically. Like, that, you know, death is something that can happen to these characters. Okay, but Alex, you have forgotten that you are talking to the Queen of Denial. 
Okay, well that that brings us that brings us to is tech dead? Is tech really is dead? Is tech dead? Um I say no. And the reason I say no is because this is the third the third character Star Wars has yeeted into a pit. Okay? Yeah. Darth Maul cut in half, yeeted into a pet, alive. Ben Solo, yeeted into a pet, alive. Unconfirmed, yeah. but alive. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm with you on that. I think that there's a good chance that Tech does survive. Mm. We don't see a body. We don't we see get a body. We just see him fall. Um, we, we do see, get the goggles. We, we, well, well, we receive the goggles later on and we'll get to that part yes. in the show. But, um... And then there's the other thing people have pointed out is that Fee is a treasure hunter. Yeah, she can find, can find anything. Tech. Yes, <laughs> um, which personally I would love to see. Um, I think so. After this moment, like obviously they're they're devastated. It, it does. Oh my help. gosh! Um, I was sobbing. I was yeah. like crying. Omega's just like you know, like yell for tech well, after he sacrifices himself. What what was it? It was that the episode where they, they lose their ship and her and tech have like such a moment. And mm-hmm. like it this really made me think back on the season and like this has been like tech's season. Like yeah. I would argue like the first season is Hunter's season and this was like tech's season, which yeah. does kind of make sense because they were leading up to this moment. But, like, that's what made it, like, Omega felt, I think she would have been just as devastated if anybody had fallen, but, like, she so viscerally feels this, and she's so upset when her family members are taken away from her, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't understand, she's like, we have to go after him, we have to go back, and, like, they physically can't, because it fixes the rail car, like, the, the weight distribution fixes it. And it's able to keep rolling. They do still crash. And they do make it off planet. They're extremely injured. And I was so, like, devastated. Like, Omega is so injured. And her first thought when she wakes up is to, like, search for tech. And it just... I know. That was devastating. That was devastating. The fact that, like, you know, the fact that Omega, like, actually gets, like, pretty injured was surprising to me, to me too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she passes out and the way that they do that and they carry her off and the way she wakes up and, like, immediately is, like, where's her? Mm-hmm. I mean, devastating. they... Devastating. I'm still crying. They and, all like, get so injured, though. Like, you know, Wrecker's in, like, a neck brace... Yeah, and I think Hunter broke like several ribs, like the way he was bandaged, and like there's only if you count Omega, there's only three of them. Well, I guess I guess Echo is still there, but like he's now with Rex, you know, like mm-hmm. that. It's so they're just two dads and a daughter, <sighs> just two Omega and her two dads. Um, but like they don't have anywhere to go, and so where do they go? They go to Sid. And honestly, I, I, no. I loved it. Okay. Like, I loved this it was betrayal. Well done. Like, mm-hmm. because the Sid setup. honestly felt, she seemed like she felt so remorseful to the point where I feel like we're going to see her in season three and she's going to come back to their side, I think. 
Yeah, redemption. I do think which is we're going to see theme a theme of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I do think we're going to see a Sid redemption. Like it wasn't uh-huh. it wasn't like, you know, DJ in the Last Jedi where it's just like, you know, I'm in it for myself. Like I think she that was her natural instinct and then I think that she honestly did feel horrible cuz she looked so sad that she did this. So she sells them out. Like she tells the empire that they're there. Mm -hmm. They're injured. They're still recovering. Like there's nothing that they can do to get away. Dr. Hemlock comes to get Omega. He arrives and Hunter and Omega are in like the back room and they hear a gunshot and immediately Hunter is like, Omega, get out. What's the, I don't remember what the droid's name is called. TZ, I think. Yeah. So Hunter's like, TZ will take you, like, get out. He's like, I'll be right behind you. Like, don't worry about me. Get out. So, like, obviously Hunter goes to see what's going on. And um, as Omega is on, on her way out, she decides, like, no, I need to be there for my family. I need to help them. So she, you know, hides up on, like, a building as they're being, you know, taken away. Um, and she starts shooting at them. Yes. And ultimately, this results in Omega being taken and the Bad Batch being let... Wrecker and the Bad Batch. (laughs) Wrecker and Hunter. Um, being let go. Or, like, they get away. they don't want them. Yeah, they don't want them. They just wanted Omega. Yeah. And... uh, the shot of Hunter watching the ship fly away with Omega in it. And Dr. Hemlock, like, he has he has Wrecker, like, captured. Because he's, like, trying to get Hunter to, like, give up Omega's location. And mm-hmm. he's, like, who thought, who would have thought clones were so paternal? And yeah. it just, I was like, yeah, because that's her dad, you know? That's um, what this shows about yeah well and that's when he shows hunter the goggles like text goggles and Mm -hmm. that was really weird to me um that he would do that so i i personally do think like there's there's two i i think there's two options i think that dr hemlock took him and does have him like i was fully expecting to see yeah tech at the end and we don't but I mm-hmm. I do think that he might have taken him, or I think we have feral goggleless tech <laughs> running around in the wilderness. I, I think the first one's more likely. I agree. <laughs> but so he's locked up. Um secondly, I rewatched Pabu before recording. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The scene where they're eating sushi. Mm-hmm. And Wrecker is like, oh my gosh, I'm so full. And Tech is like, like they were like, we've never heard Wrecker say he's full before. So Tech says, oh, I better take record of this. And he he took record in his goggles of that oh, moment. Oh my God. Are you saying <laughs> you think we're going to see like physically see what happened to I'm tech. not sure if it's if it's him video I'm assuming it's him videoing I'm assuming that's what the re- he meant by record I mean he was like oh I need to 
like rec- record that it's this day then, or like, put yeah. in record that it's in this day so i don't know if there's like a video camera in his goggles but there's some sort of record within his goggles that he's been keeping of certain events and things that happen to them if any of them is a diary queen it's tech you know um yeah <laughs> so like at any given moment like i'm watching some gilmore girls and there was an episode where she <laughs> I, I don't remember what she asks rory but she's like, oh, I know you have those like creepy books where it's like eight fifteen, eight breakfast, whatever, whatever. And it's like she yeah. really does. And I feel like that is tech. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting, I think, if they find any really important piece of information or they discover that tech is still alive based off of that. Yeah, because he has the goggles. And I, I do think that that is significant that he he has the goggles and that they were given to him because that didn't have mm-hmm. to happen. There was no reason for Hemlock to go and, like, find, like, Tech's body. There was no reason for him to go mm-hmm. down there. So, like, so, I... So, I mean, in, in, he may have had enough strength to record something and set it up so Hemlock found the goggles. And in that way, maybe your theory about <laughs> Fee coming to treasure hunt mm-hmm. can be plausible if they find some sort of hint that he's still somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I'm really I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Wrecker and Hunter regroup. Um, Because I do think that it'll be on Pabu. So, like, it'll be with Fee. Because, like, that's where they need to go. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go there instead. And, like, and instead they went to Sid. But, like, maybe Sid's was closer. Like, who knows? They could have also been scared that they were being followed. And they didn't want to. That's probably more likely. The Empire follow them to Pabu. Because then that would put a lot of people in danger. They're all refugees. Like, that, yeah. that is probably more likely because Pabu is, like, a secret location. Like, I remember she said, like, mm-hmm. nobody really knows where it is except for her. So, so the end of the episode, like, Omega is taken and she is taken to that facility um, and given to Nala Say. And, like, mm-hmm. we said, you know, it's like, okay, no, so now you have to do what we say. Otherwise, we're going to hurt Omega. And she sees Crosshair. So, Crosshair is there. Like, he's unconscious. He's, like, on a table. Um, and I was, like, fully expecting to see Tech there, too. Um, we don't, but, you know. Um, I like that it was left, like, not knowing if Tech's okay. I, I kind of like, I do kind of like that. I, because it, it, it leaves the door open for a lot of things. Um, and honestly, like, I have been desperate for a Crosshair Omega team up since the season one finale yes and we're I gonna, was gonna get say that. i love their dynamic i'm so excited yeah and i and i think if tech was there it wouldn't hit the same because i i feel like omega's the one that's going to like fully help him back into the light like i i think he's getting there but he he feels like i think he feels like he's beyond redemption like in his brother's eyes like he he doesn't like the choices that he made. He doesn't like where he is. But I, I think that Crosshair does think that there's no hope for himself. And if anybody's going to give that to him, it is going to be Omega. And that's so beautiful. And I, I'm really excited to see that. So I guess that just leaves the last thing. The final reveal. Yeah. The final reveal. Um, So Emery, we've seen her in... A couple of their episodes. The Outpost specifically, she was in. The and outpost, then she was also and she in was... Tipping Point. Yes. 
So Emery is, um, I always assume she's some scientist that's working in, for the Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the clones, specifically in the science division. She reveals that she's Omega sister. Yeah. And like, I have so many questions, you know? Yeah, because, so, what does this mean? Does this mean she doesn't share DNA with the uh, male Bad Batch members? I don't know. Or does Does she, like... Or is she just, is she another clone, possibly? Just grown up? Um, cause I remember, it's so funny. I, like, I, I didn't see it coming, but she says, like, Omega, like, she says it with, yeah, like, that, like, like, that Australian that. accent, and she does that, and I'm like, what? <laughs> she says I always that. found it, like, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I never predicted this, but no. I did find it strange that she was Australian. Yeah, I never picked I up. I was like, you never Australian. really see like yeah. you always see like British Imperials. Like her not her being Australian is very like specific. I, I did find it odd that they were constantly kind of focusing on her, and she was always <laughs> trying to tell Crosshair like she's on his side. So I was I always knew that like there was something more going on, but yeah, yeah. The, there's a lot of questions with this. I think. Yeah, is like are Emery and Omega are they same DNA as the rest of the clones, or do they have a different like mother? Let's say like they are a clone of a woman rather than Django Fett. That's true. So like that could mean that Omega is actually somebody else and not a female Django Fett clone, which is what we always had assumed. Yeah. So like that does kind of like flip things on its head because then it's like. I mean, it makes sense that they would be cloning other people and not just Django Fett because, like, yeah, they're, they're and Kaminoans. it makes you wonder, like, for what reason? Like, yeah. who is this woman? Like, let's say this this is the case, and it in this goes two ways: it's either they're both clones of Django and they're female, or you know, they're clones of some other person. And what is so special about this other person? And why did they clone that person? I, I kind of like the idea of them being clones of somebody else because that brings in a little bit of an identity crisis for Omega because then she was never actually a bad batch, you know? Oh, uh, like she was never enhanced. <laughs> well, like she was never like different like they were. Like she mm-hmm. always thought that that like she was different like them. Like, she always immediately was like, oh, I fit in with them because I'm not like the other clones. I'm not like other girls, you know. Um, So that would bring in something completely different. It's like you were never their sister. You were never a clone Mm -hmm. of Django at all. Like, you were something completely different. And that would be really interesting to see her deal with. Mm -hmm. It makes me wonder if whoever, if, if, you know – there is a mother, you know, mother DNA, if that person was really important to Nalise. And, and that's why Omega Nalise is so important feels to her. very, yeah, feels very protective of Omega because she feels this responsibility to um, a friend's, you know, clone daughter, like, you know, daughter kind mm-hmm. of. 
I mean, I'm I'm very interested to hear what Emery has to say and what her experience is. Because um, we haven't seen her interact with Nala Say, and I feel like if we had, like, that would have given part of this away, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm very, like, that's so interesting to me. Is this going, like, Way of Water? I still haven't seen Way of Water. Oh! Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, it's out! I know, I just haven't seen it it's- yet. Anyway, okay, after you see a way of water, we're having this discussion again about, about you know, cloning of someone who is past and everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. It's it's just so long. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're going to like way of water. Okay. I, I know. Like, because you guys all liked it, so I'm sure I will. It's just, I, I haven't, I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> okay. Well, hopefully by next time we're recording, you can talk about your reaction to Way of Water. Yeah, that would be that would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, overall, like I honestly would rate Bad Batch so highly. Like this season, mm-hmm. I, I'm so shocked that we saw those first six episodes and then like we're here now. You know, Star Wars animation just hits different. It does, and I, you know, we ourselves were like talking about like Dave and his priorities and things like that and like he's still a part of this project and when Star Wars is good it's good like it it just it's so good and I saw somebody like making fun of that they're like Star Wars fans are always like if Star Star Wars would be so good if it was actually good and it's like when it is good it is like doing it like nobody else you know like it just these like the whole back end of this season was phenomenal like it blew me away how good it was and like what they're doing i never would have thought i like watching the bad batch episodes of the clone wars i was like i don't care who like i don't care about this you know (laughs) i i'm excited to hear what you think after you watch the crosshair trilogy Yes, I will have to report back on the Crosshair Trilogy watch order and see. Because, yeah, I remember watching that episode and just being, like, so, un- inc- like, incredibly mad. So, like, I wonder if it hits different. I bet it does. I have a feeling Tex Podracer episode hits <laughs> different now. Oh, my gosh. I'm so mad at myself for being mean about his know, racer we were episode. I so mean about that episode. And, like, he was having his main character moment. He was. And we were mean about it. And we were like, listen, I'm happy that happened to you, but, like, I don't care. And now I'm like, oh. <laughs> No, it's funny, like, you know, like, on Twitter, some fans predicted that something bad was going to happen to Tech because he was getting so much attention. So much attention. And I just, like, didn't even think about it. I was like, they're not going to kill anybody in the Bad Badge. Nobody's going to die in the Bad Badge. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, if anyone was, I was like, it's going to be Crosshair. Yeah. Like, Crosshair is going to sacrifice himself for them, which, you know, he kind of does, but he is not, you know, killed for it. He is, I mean, he's tortured for it. Yeah, well, and that's something, like, I would have been really upset with because they constantly do, like, redemption through death. And, like, yeah. maybe this time... Would this right. Would this be, like, the first time that they did a redemption not through death on screen? Well, I mean, with Rebels, there was Callus. There was Callus, but like, I don't know. This hits different than Callus. I'm I trying feel. to think. I'm trying to think. Because Asajj dies, and 
what is it? Well, I guess we had with like Inferno Squad, but that's not on screen. We also see that character's death eventually. Eventually, eventually. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> they couldn't leave her alive um, for long. <laughs> I guess like you could kind of say like Seer did have a bit of a redemption. I don't think we really see it though. Like if, the the one that we were looking for was Trilla. Yeah, I think that's like I mean we've we've said this. That's the only you know criticism of that game. Yeah, that that is my one big criticism of that game is how Trilla's redemption was handled. So like I mean, Callus, Callus is the redemption who has survived. So that's it. So will Crosshair yeah. join the ranks in live? Oh, I want him to. I want him to Aww. also. I want. He hasn't even been to Pabu yet. He's gonna love Pabu. He's gonna love there's something Pabu. for everyone. Everyone loves Pabu. He's there's gonna, something for everyone. Alex, he's gonna be in his Roy Kent era in at Pabu. <laughs> yeah, we love Roy Kent. I know we didn't talk about Ted Lasso in the recommendations, but. Ted Lasso's just doing it, like, great. You didn't Boy, smile my your whole career. I No, you frowned your whole career. No, I didn't smile. That's different. <laughs> That's crosshair. <laughs> crosshair energy. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to talk about Ted Lasso next time, because, like, Ted, that season's popping off. It's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is going to do it for The Bad Bachelor for season two. We've come such a long way. Um, I feel like next up, maybe Mando will get some of its own dedicated time. Mm-hmm. Um, we are getting more higher public, so we will see how that goes. Uh, next time we record, we're going to have news from Celebration. We will have news from Celebration. So, so. It might, we might need to do an episode of news if it's a, a lot of news. Which makes sense anyway, because I almost feel like maybe we like hold off on Mando until we have all of it. You know, mm-hmm. so far, like nothing has like grabbed us to the point where like we got to talk about this thing that happened in Mando. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, we were thinking that our next episode would be um, Battle Scars. And, and, and it, I feel like we talked about the gist of it in this episode. And I don't have anything interesting more to add to that. I, conversation. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I'll be putting out a, a review video for it. It'll, mm-hmm. it'll be spoiler free, um, but that'll probably be it. I we could talk about Survivor. I I've kind of been wanting to rewatch the gameplay. Um, yeah. If you like, I know you played the game. If you want a, the video of the gameplay that I watched, I can send it to you. Um, because mm-hmm. maybe I'll I rewatch it that pretty well. I feel like because I played it, I retained it really well. Yeah, I I feel like I remember the big parts. What I'm like really missing is like Zepho and like things like that. Yeah. You know? But yeah, like I'm I'm actually like very excited like coming off of Bad Batch. I'm very hopeful about content. So we'll mm-hmm. see what we get with celebration. Um but if you would like to keep the conversation going, if there's anything that you want to add to this conversation, you can find us pretty much always on Twitter or Instagram at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>